uh, at 6 o'clock, and as we celebrate Lauren, um, we're so proud of her, and uh, it's important uh, that we celebrate our young people. Uh, they're not just the fu- uh, future of our church, they're the part of the church today, uh, and like I said, Lauren does a lot for us, and we appreciate her so much, and um, we don't say thank you often enough, and uh, a lot of young people are doing a lot of other things besides serving the Lord uh, and being faithful to church. So, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, if you turn to the book of First Thessalonians, and uh, this uh, appropriate message not just for graduation Sunday and for Lauren. Um, but for all of us to hear and be reminded of uh, some important truths. So let's take a look. First Thessalonians chapter 1, um, beginning in verse 1. So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we have had to you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us, from the wrath to come. And so Paul writes this letter. This is probably Paul's first letter, his earliest one. Um, he writes it to a church that he um, started. Uh, he planted this church uh, in Thessalonica, which was a major uh, commerce uh, area, uh, an important uh, city. And, uh, and so what we find is Paul's message to the church. Because Paul writes, in a time though we are separated by 1950 or 60 years or so, long time. The world that Paul found himself in and the world we find ourselves in are really quite similar. The world that Paul lived in was very contrary and antagonistic, to say the least, towards 
Christianity. They were a very religious people in Thessalonica as well as several other uh, Greek and Roman cities of the first century. There were temples everywhere to all kinds of, of different gods. People were spiritual. The problem, though, was they were feeding the wrong spirit. And the problem was that this world and the things that are contrary to God were ruling their life. They'd put their faith and trust in the wrong thing. Even some that had accepted Christ. And then it was not just a come down to the altar and get your name on the church roll and maybe be baptized and everything was just grand and glorious and you had a big party. Oftentimes people lost their family. They were kicked out of the family. Friends would not have anything to do with them. Businesses would not serve them. Business owners that became Christians oftentimes lost cuss people wouldn't do business with them. And yet Paul says, you know what? Despite of all of the hardship, despite all the circumstance, and despite all the circumstances, your faith in God, your relationship with Jesus Christ, has not only impacted you and not only impacted your church, but has impacted the world. And so Paul's message to the Thessalonican church and to us is let it out for heaven's sake. Paul writes this letter saying, hey, listen, your salvation is not something you keep inside. Your faith in Christ makes a difference in your life. And if there's no difference in your life, then Christ is not in your life. And that's not the preacher judging, that's what the Bible says. I just preach it. I didn't write it. And so Paul says, let it out. God has given you so much. I love the the sign. I see it on bumper stickers uh, and T-shirts. Some, uh, the first time I saw it, it was a a fellow had a sweatshirt on in the mall. It said, too blessed to be stressed. Uh, And though it's kind of trite. Uh, but there's some truth to it, too. That when we think about it, no matter what trials and troubles you have in life, God has still been faithful, and God has been good to you if you're his child. And so, because of that, it ought to show. In other words, Paul makes the declaration, and I want to remind us, there's no such thing as a Christian in disguise or hiding in the closet. In other words, you can't hide your faith if you have it. And unfortunately, that means that there's a lot of people that claim to have it that don't actually have it. And so let's talk about that this morning. I want to talk about three things that God gives us that we need to express outwardly. And the first is that God gives us 
a calling. Apostle Paul in another letter writes and tells the church, make your calling and election sure. He says here in this opening of this letter, God has chosen you. Now, God is, he is saying that God has chosen, that you are part of the family of God. Who are the chosen? The chosen are the, all the whosoevers in all of the world who call upon the name of Jesus. Paul says in the book of Romans, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God does not send or want anyone to go to hell, but you better believe there are a lot of people that end up there not because God sent them there, but because they rejected God's offer of salvation. God will save anyone who receives that gift. Jesus paid for it for everyone. John 3.16 declares, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And you know, that is good news when we become a Christian, when we're lost, and somebody's sharing the gospel with us, that should be, and hopefully it was to you, sweet music to your ears when you heard that, and you called out, either at church, or maybe at home, or you know, in a tent somewhere in revival, but you called out, and you received that great gift, and your life was changed. Friends, I'm afraid that sometimes as we grow older in our faith, our excitement and the enthusiasm and the difference and the realness that God has made in our life sometimes fades, doesn't it? Why, some, you know, life happens. We get sick, the car breaks down, the job, you know, tanks, the housing market tanks, the Whatever tanks or breaks or creaks or cracks or, you know, problems are part of life. And this side of heaven, can I tell you something? You're never going to be problem free. But the grace and the good news of the gospel is that Christ died for us so that we would be changed. So that we would go from being far from God to being God's most precious possessions, to being God's loved, to being God's children, to be God's prized jewels. Not because we deserve it, but simply because God chose to extend grace to us. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But God gave it anyway. And so he says, you put your faith into action. He said, you you heard this gospel message. And it came not only in war, but he said it came in power. It came by the Holy Spirit. It brought some work in much assurance, the New King James says. And really what that word 
full assurance or much assurance means is fruitful. It has the idea of fruitfulness. It has the idea that the Holy Spirit and God's power has worked in your life and it's produced some spiritual fruit. Jesus said they will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. He said, you'll know they belong to me by their fruit. In other words, what comes out of them? And by the way, you better believe that if you put garbage in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, Jesus ain't coming out on Sunday. But if you have fed yourself through the week, and you've are feeding yourself spiritually healthy things, guess what happens in your life and in your church and your community? And Paul says in your world, good, healthy, spiritual things come out. How does that happen? Because you put good, healthy, spiritual things in. And Jesus understood and he taught that, didn't he? Several times in the Gospels, what goes in is going to come out. And so they said, hey, listen, we we pray for you. We remember and are thankful for your diligence in serving the Lord. My prayer and hope is that when people think about you and think about Calvary Free Will Baptist Church, so you know what? Those people have been faithful to the Lord and they've tried to make a difference for the Lord. They're not out to make a name for themselves, but they're out to make a difference for Christ and in the name of Christ, to lift him up and to glorify him. Because we've been elected by God, because God has called every single one of us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. You are the temple of the Holy God. And so he reminds us that not only has God given us this calling and allowed us to be his children, his prized jewels, but secondly, I want us to see that God gives us ability. Friend, understand that God never asked you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. Now, he may be asked you sometimes to do things you don't think you can do, but if God has told you to do it, You can do it. By the way, Paul doesn't say it happens by your own power and your own strength. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I be faithful to the Lord? Can I live a holy life? Can I pray? Can I... Uh, witness to my lost friends and family members and co-workers? Absolutely you can. Can you make a difference for the Lord? Absolutely you can. As long as you are above dirt, and as long as there's breath in you, there are things you can do for the Lord. And so let me tell you this opportunity to remind us, especially, you know, as we celebrate Lauren's graduation, that we... Say, listen, let's focus not on what we can't do. That's where Satan, I think, trips us up oftentimes, isn't it? He gets to focus on negatives and what we can't do. But that's not where the Bible spends its time. 
That's not where Paul spent his time. Paul decided to focus instead on what God could do and what God could do through him. And so he was able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So maybe we need to change our perspective to understand that God gives us ability to change our world. Do you think it took some commitment and some stick and some faithfulness for these people whose family had turned their back on them, whose customers, whose livelihoods had evaporated because they decided to follow Jesus? you think it was hard for them? Yeah, it was. But did they give up? Absolutely not. Paul says, we hear of your faith and we see the difference that you're making and we thank God when we pray, when we remember you, we thank God for you. That means they're doing something. That means they understand that as important as being is. And hear me that the being has to be settled and kind of the foundation. Understanding who we are because we are a child of God. But when we understand that, we serve the Lord with gladness. Not to earn salvation, but because we are saved. It doesn't happen on our own. In fact, the Bible says that Salvation doesn't even happen by our own choice. The scriptures say no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws it. So God takes the initiative even in our salvation. But then he helps us to continue to grow in that salvation. Now, by growing in salvation, I'm not saying that we're more saved the longer we serve the Lord. You're saved that moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as you ever are going to be. But hopefully, your experience of Christ and your sanctification is not as developed as it ever is going to be when you first follow Christ. Hopefully, the longer you follow him, the deeper your love and devotion and service to him go. The more your, your prayer life deepens, the more your service to the Lord deepens. Not because you think you need to do more, but because you recognize how much God did for you, how unworthy you are. And yet, how much he loves you. And you say, how can I, because of what God's done for me, how can I say no when he's asked me to do something? God will not ask us to do something he does not give us the ability to do. And then finally... Not only does God give us calling and give us ability, he gives us a testimony. Notice what he says. He said, listen, I thank God often for you. I'm so proud of you and I'm thankful for you. He wasn't making them have a big head. 
He wasn't trying to butter him up. He was being sincere. He says, listen, your faith toward God is evident to anyone that looks at you. Anyone that interacts with you. So much so that your faith has been an example not only to those in Thessalonica, but into Macedonia and Achaia. In other words, all of Greece, all of that region. Not only you know, within that region, he says people know of your faith and the things that you do all over. The truth of the matter is every one of us has a testimony. Some people's testimony just is not a good testimony. Some people testify to the Lord that he doesn't really make a difference in their life and that he's a get-out-of-jail-free card or something to do if there's a need or there's nothing better to do if not a football game or a baseball game on TV or a fish to catch or whatever it might be. Or that faith is just an empty, trite, feel-good, pat-on-the-back, hug a tree type thing. Other people's testimony is though that Christ is who he said he was. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is Savior. And he will change and save anyone who surrenders and asks him to. And that he will receive us just as we are, but he will not leave us that way. God is constantly working to make us more and more like him. And that gives us a testimony that honors the Lord. And by the way, that should be what all of us want. And we should understand that that testimony does not come by accident and it does not happen by sitting still. It happens by putting our faith in action. It happens by us not just saying, well, I'll pray for you, but actually doing it. Not just saying, you know, well, God loves you, but showing them God's love by you loving them. By you living an honest and an upright life. A few weeks ago, Leslie and I do our grocery shopping at Publix and had a case of water underneath the basket. And I told the lady, I said, I've got a case of Publix water under the basket. And she didn't ring it up. I look at the receipt as I always do to see how, I like to see how much I save. You know, they print at the bottom and I pat myself on the back and... Uh, one time I saved $60. I won't tell you how, many, how much I spent to save the $60, but uh, we don't focus on that part. We just say, man, I saved that $60, and I put it on the refrigerator at home. I said, man, that's, that's awesome. I'm proud of that, with coupons and some sales that they had. And, anyhow, that doesn't have any, that's free info. But they didn't charge me for my water. And so I turned right around and went back in, and I said, uh, i got to pay for my water. And the, I said, what do you mean? 
So the girl didn't charge me for my water. I need to pay for it. You came all the way back here to pay for a $3 case? Yeah. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or put me on pesto, but say, hey, listen, how we live our life speaks a whole lot louder about what we believe about Christ than what we say we do with our mouth. Was, I think Mahatma Gandhi was quoted as saying one time, I could almost become a Christian except for some of the Christians I know. And so, what an indictment that is. Our life should be such that when people know us, even if they're as lost as lost can be, they know the love of God because they've known us. They may not be able to put it in words. They may not even be aware of what it is, but they should say there's something different about that person. There's something different about those people. Yesterday I was talking with a lady uh, who lives not far from us. They're, they're moving now. I wish we would have met them a long time ago. And uh, She told me that you know they've thought about coming to our church on numerous occasions. Uh, but uh, they were stationed in Hawaii before they came here, and their house burned down, and they went to a church there in Hawaii to uh, see if they could help them in some way, and they shut them out and didn't have anything to do with them. And so when they moved to Columbus, living less than a mile from our church, and parked in our parking lot and used the walkway and she's teaching her son how to drive in our parking lot say well I I just didn't want to come because I was afraid but she said I wish I would have met you sooner because I would have loved to have gotten to know your church and your people because we welcomed them and we were kind to them We must understand that our actions and our words not only say a lot about us, more importantly, they say a lot about our Lord that we serve. And so we must always be careful to temper our words with kindness and love. We must always be eager and alert to opportunities to pray for others share an encouraging word or a smile. I was watching uh, Eric Metaxas' uh, radio show, but I was watching it. It's on TV, so go figure that. But anyway, uh, I've read several of his books, and you know, I was flipping through the channel guide the other day. Um, and that was on. I said, I know the books. I didn't know he had a radio program or a TV thing. So I turned on and listened to it. He was interviewing... Uh, two brothers from Louisiana that were contractors and real estate agents uh, that had one of those uh, home flipping shows on TLC. And because of their faith and their stand for Christ, they their show was canceled. And the 
one of the brothers was saying, you know, he, they live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they said, I was in the grocery store, and I told the beggar, I said, do you know, uh, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? And he said, the beggar kind of looked odd at him, and didn't say anything, and so he, he left. He said a few weeks later, he was at his gym working out, and this guy came up to him and said, can I talk to you? He said, okay, why, I don't, why do you want to talk to me, but okay. And he said, you don't remember me, but a few weeks ago I was contemplating suicide and ending my life because I didn't think anybody loved me. And you came through and simply said, Jesus loves you. And so I've been thinking about that. This fellow said he took him, you know, and met with him, and the, you know, the relationship developed, and the, the fellow came to know the Lord. Simply by a smile and a kind word. And so do not think a moment, church, that small actions don't have big impacts. Your rudeness and crassness can push someone away from Christ. Or your compassion and your love, a smile, hug, a kind word, might just be the thing that God uses to draw them to him. So the Thessalonian church was always looking for, were they perfect? No. Paul goes on and later on, as we'll see as we go through this little letter, Paul corrects some issues within the church because every church has people and people have issues. And Paul dealt with some of those, as we'll see. But what we see from the very beginning is that the people's faith made a difference in their life. It made a difference in their community. It made a difference in their world for the glory of God because of their calling in Christ, because of who God said that they were. And they understood that, and they acted upon it. There are a lot of churches and a lot of Christians who are sitting on the premises rather than standing on the promises. God doesn't need sitters. He needs standers and workers. This world does not need sitters. It needs people who will stand on the promises of God and live their faith. So you live your faith in your neighborhood, you live it at your work or at the hair salon, at the grocery store, at the gym, wherever you are. And so Paul says, for heaven's sakes, church, let the love of God out. You have it. I know every one of you. Now your love for some of you is a little deeper than others. But it's there. I'm just teasing. You all are very loving. And I appreciate that. You know, it's easy to be loving toward people that that love us and that we know. We're part of a church family. It's harder, though, to love people we don't know. It's hard to love people that we don't like. It's hard people that are mean to us or mean to our loved ones or say things about our church or, you know, whatever it might be. But those are the times when our witness is most important. 
So I had to pray, Lord. Listen, it didn't happen by accident that their testimony went out to all the world. They were intentional. They they prayed. They studied. They they took worship seriously. They took living for the Lord seriously. We all know and understand that if you only live for the Lord on Sunday, you don't live for him at all. Jesus has to be your Lord and Master all the time. And if he is, it shows. Not that you're perfect or holier than thou, but your faith ought to make a difference in how you live your life. And when it does, that speaks very loudly to the love and grace of God. Isn't that much more important? That's a message this world needs to hear. They need to see that we serve a God that can change lives. A God that does give grace. A God that will really save whosoever. God can call two preachers like Aaron Baldridge and Russell Ruland and change their life and use them. He can save anyone and use anyone. And this world needs to hear that. And they're not going to hear it from the government. They're not going to hear it on the news. They're not going to hear it in a self-help workshop or in a book. God intends that they hear it from you. And so, church, for heaven's sakes, let it out. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, thank you for your love and your goodness. Lord, thank you for your grace and how you call us to be your children. Lord, sometimes we take that calling too lightly, and we ask you to forgive us when we do that. Lord, help us to understand and accept the awesome responsibility it is to be a child of the Almighty. God, there are people in this world that need you. And Lord, our doors are open every Sunday, but they're they're not coming, and it's because we are to go to them. Lord, you have called us to action. You've given us an ability to proclaim the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sin and rose again on the third day. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know that and they've never received that gift, would you help them to today? Just simply say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my life and make me new. I surrender my life to you. I accept that free gift. And with your help, I'll serve you. But Lord, there's children here today that do belong to you. Lord, would you give us the resolve that our testimony will be such that when people think of Calvary Free Will Baptist Church, when they think of the individuals that make up our wonderful church, that they would give thanks for the ministry and the testimony that this church has in this community and around the world. Help us to ever be mindful of our actions, our words, that they would be in tune with you and that they wouldn't pull others away from you, but they might propel them to you. Help us, we pray. Forgive us when we have failed you. 
help us to move forward as your servants, as your hands and feet, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. As we sing this morning...